0: everybody, my name is Matt Stores, and welcome to planning On today's episode, I have an expert on who I'm excited to talk to. Expert, please introduce yourself and tell us what you're an expert in. Hello, I
1: am Rowan Zioli. I am a tabletop role-playing game and actual play journalist,
0: as well as being a comedian where I met Matt. Fantastic. You would say you were an expert in tabletop RPGs and actual plays? Yes, that is correct. Excellent. Okay, fantastic. I feel like I'm pretty knowledgeable about playing tabletop RPGs. Uh, I've been playing since about 2016. Mm -hmm. Uh, Played earlier in my life, but the people that I played with initially were very, very rule stickler type of people. And so Mm -hmm. it kind of took out the fun of being able to jump into the characters. But really, tabletop RPGs as a whole are an opportunity to enter a world of collaborative creation. And mm-hmm. initially, when D&D and similar games were coming out, like Vampire the Masquerade and that sort of thing, there's a very big anti-Christian mentality that got attached to him but one of the things a lot of people don't know is like that anti-christian connection it actually over time has saved a number of woodworkers jesus famously a woodworker (laughs) and had it not been for the tabletop role-playing game resurgence in the last decade a lot of tabletop or table carpentry makers would have gone out of business and (laughs) this also happens to be with a lot of figure makers as well in a lot of the independent action figure a lot of the independent figurines a lot of the lead based companies Mm. there's a big push against lead don't know why no no reason no reason whatsoever but because of tabletop rpgs the lead Consortium uh, of businesses (laughs) have been able to thrive in those heavy metals. We're still getting them, thank goodness. And yeah, that lead cabal needs the business exactly, exactly. There's there's dozens of different systems, and you can adapt them to different settings. I've mentioned indeed, famously, kind of a fantasy sort of situation, whereas you have Vampire the Masquerade, which is can be a fantasy setting, but often is in a very, very sexy New York setting often. Mm. It's really, so there's the funny thing about like, people are like, oh, there's horny teenagers are playing these tabletop RPGs and they have to play through and try and solve a problem. But what's great mm-hmm. about the vampire games is that they know what you wanna do. They know you, <laughs> wanna, they know you wanna be trying to have sex with people. And if you go down the right paths in some of those games, you get extra skill points. And that's, that's rewarding for a lot of people. If there's one thing nerds love, it's to fuck actually. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and it's with nothing else, tabletop RPGs are an opportunity to learn how to flirt. And like the characters in the games, a lot of players that play have certain archetypes that you play. Mm-hmm. So there's the, I kind of alluded to them, the rule followers, you have the people that are a little bit more chaotic, the people that are a little less knowledgeable. And what- Could can- you
1: actually go through the alignment chart for me right now?
0: The full alignment chart or just the player alignment chart? The full alignment chart, if you- oh. Okay, so I think the easiest way to go through alignment charts is to talk about it through the guise of TV shows or Mm. famous movies. And so there's often, you have like the lawful at the top and then the neutrals in the middle. So it's a grid of nine. And then you have the chaotics in the bottom. Like the Brady Bunch is a good example. (laughs) And you're going to have the Brady Bunch. You're going to have Alice's in the middle. Okay. So she's Mm -hmm. a true neutral. And one second, I'm actually going to pull up the (laughs) bridge.
1: Perfect comparison. I think it's also important to note that this is hierarchical, that the lawful is at the top for a reason and the chaotic is at the bottom for a reason.
0: Absolutely. Okay, so what you have with the... Wow, okay, so this is famously the Brady Bunch. I think that they switched around which characters were in which spots, Mm. but usually it was the adults in the middle spots. And so the adults in the middle and then the oldest kids on either side. So you have... Marcia as the lawful good she is the person that is pretty consistently this is how life is supposed to go there are a set of rules and we got to follow them whereas Cindy the youngest one is a chaotic good where mm. she's just wanting to do whatever she can and if something goes haywire or her doll talks to her at some point so be it. And then you have the other sister who... The famous other sister. In the, the, other, the Yes, the other sister who is, is great. Who dates Todd Glass, which is... That's so sad that that's what I remember. But so she is a, a neutral good. Mm-hmm. And so she believes that there are a set of rules that are supposed to apply to everybody. But maybe they're not applying the ways in which she wants. Then you have the neutral good with the mother at the top. The chaotic neutral at the bottom being the father because he is, he's got a background. You know what Mm. I mean? What was the context of the, the, the end of the last marriage? And then you have all the boys on the chaotic side. So you have the oldest one, Greg, he's the chaotic, the lawful chaotic. And he is, he wants to play, he wants to learn how to play the guitar to hook up with girls. But he, ha- he has expectations. You have the youngest boy, chaotic evil, ultimately, just pure chaos, famously going around trying to sacrifice other children <laughs> at the school. Very, very dark episodes where he was the focus. And then you have the- The satanic
1: uh, panic of it all as well. It really ties in.
0: Truly, truly. And then you have the other boy, the middle boy, the middle kids, we don't remember. He's just kind of there, but like trying to like instigate whenever he can. And what's good about some of these things is when you kind of recognize the alignment of these people and what their alignment are, in your regular life if you try and convince them to play a different alignment in the game you can actually use tabletop rpgs as a form of therapy because you can challenge them and be like oh would your character actually do that Mm. and then they have to have empathy for the first time in their lives and a big thing a lot of people don't recognize is the therapeutic aspects of what tabletop rpgs can do now, based on what you've heard so far about how much of that would you say was accurate? Honestly, I would say you rolled like maybe a ten or a twelve on your history check for D anD. d Okay, fantastic. That's that's a that's a pretty pretty good roll, I think.
1: Yeah, I would say you definitely passed for the most part. Once we started getting into the lead cabal, we started really veering off a little bit. But I think think it's important to to underpin the the power imbalance in these industries. Right, But but for real, though, a lot of the things that you were saying were really very true about, especially towards the end, about the nature, the therapeutic value of D&D and the capacity for collaborative creativity about these, these games and these systems. I think there's something really, really powerful when it comes to tabletop and specifically actual play as a new medium. For those who don't understand, actual play is a medium in which a group of people come together and tell a story like a television show or a film through the medium of tabletop role-playing games so Mm -hmm. they're focused on telling stories the same way they would in an improvised theater setting but it is either in front of a camera or on a podcast and highly edited to make sure that you are telling the best kind of story you can through this medium of improvised storytelling.
0: Yeah, you're getting, you're not getting the, hey, can I do this questions too much? You might get the beginning of that. You're not getting the, okay, well, let me. Let me check the rule book. We flip through for a couple hours. We're going to stop the
1: game for 20 minutes.
0: Yeah, everybody take a break. Will I, will I check? Yeah, that is, that is the most beautiful thing because that that sometimes getting those hangups can be so difficult and derailing. Absolutely. And I think like what you were just saying to the therapeutic
1: aspect of it, My other main beat is psychedelics, actually. Okay. There's there's something really fascinating, I think, about this immersive quality of tabletop role-playing games where you are able to embody a different perspective from your own or a similar perspective, but you're able to embody a different person than you are and experience the world through this separation a little bit. And you're Mm -hmm. able to make these decisions as you would navigate the world in this idea of like, okay... These still, these emotional consequences still feel real. So I can't be careless in these decisions that I'm making. And you create a reality that is alternate from your own and you get to undo narratives that you've told yourself about how the world works. Right. And I think that's something really interesting about the way tabletop role playing games has, have evolved as well. Like they come from this very cishet white normative storytelling like this was a war game initially for people to tell stories right. about like conquest and colonizing and raiding and looting and it has evolved into a storytelling medium where people get to see themselves represented in fantasy worlds in sci-fi worlds in the multitude of systems which you did touch on very well because most people only think there's D. there are so many systems there are hundreds of systems where you can tell any kind of story that you want and there's specifically a game I really like called Wander Home. Oh, yeah. Which you you like lo- Wander
0: Home? I, I know the Wanderers. Yes, yes, another
1: another really good one.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Wander Home is this game by J-Dragon in which you and your party are a group. It's a gm system. Mm-hmm. You are a group of little forest creatures. And there's, it's a non-combat system, so you're not meant to, like, fight anything. But there are interpersonal conflicts. And so it's this, like homeward bound kind of energy almost. Mm-hmm. And you really just get to be in this beautiful little space where you're playing pretend. It's that same kind of feeling as when you were a kid playing pretend with your friends, getting to be in this imaginary space and feel like the hero without having to do all of the violence that D&D requires.
0: Right, absolutely. What got me into it when I first started playing was the folks I was playing with were very open to uh, alternative methods of resolution. Mm. And so it was like, oh, well, yeah, my, the fact that I put so many points into charisma allow me to really do a lot in this situation. And unfortunately, my first character that I made for that was based on James Franco, (laughs) which which his last name was Franco spelled backwards was Oxnarf. But uh, so as time progressed, and I used James Franco's book of short stories as a method to like, I, I had one of the characteristics where I used big wait, words incorrectly. Wait, James Franco has a, a book of short stories? He does, yeah. <laughs> also, malapropism is the word
1: for using big words incorrectly. Oh, I don't, just there, my brain.
0: <laughs> oh, that's that's wonderful. I I did not know that, and. So I would use his book and just turn to a random page every session and try and find the biggest word on the fr- on the page and, <laughs> and then just use it incorrectly anytime. And people are like, you don't have to consistently do that every session. I'm like, I'm going to do it every session. And well, then you every- have to commit to the bit. That's the and most powerful part. Exactly. And that was the most wonderful thing because as time went on, my character was so dumb and just so full of himself but like everybody knew that and so like there were just continuing bits that I could do and then other people could do and you could just play off each other for years and years and then in every subsequent game that I played with those folks and with other folks it's just a it's a beautiful convergence of people and backgrounds and ideas it's so much fun Exactly. And I think the thing that's really beautiful about
1: actual play as it currently is because it is currently a newly developing medium. Mm -hmm. It is coming from this place where you have the critical roles where you put a camera in front of a bunch of people and for four hours you record them playing the game. And that has its place because it's really important for the community aspect. You get that feeling of like, oh, I'm with a bunch of friends playing the game. But there are now people in the medium like, the All Night Society, like My First Dungeon, like Worlds Beyond Number, like Dimension 20 to a degree as well, that these players in the game, these independent creators are transforming this from a documentary medium, a more experiential one mm-hmm. into a narrative medium. And so we're, we're taking all those things that are beautiful about the game, these, these experiences and turning them into art. Absolutely. Um, and I'm trying to figure out where I was going with that initially.
0: But, but, but yeah. yeah, well, no, I, and I think that that's the most amazing thing as time goes on. The thing that I always struggled with when kids were playing it when I was when I was younger was that idea of getting bogged down in the dynamics and rules as opposed mm. to the enjoyment that I got from seeing my friends be creative and and seeing like literally seeing a glint in somebody's eye and like oh i know what you're gonna do and i don't have to talk to you about it but i know what you're i know generally what you're thinking and i can set you up for it and because it's like it's like slow improv if that makes sense
1: oh no it's the truly i interview so many actual play performers and people who run games And so many of them are comedians and improv performers. Right.
0: Yeah. And that, and that makes perfect sense. And it's beautiful because you don't have to be, you're in the moment, but you have the time to sit in the moment and think and like talk and figure out situations. And I think that that's, it's, it's even better than the instantaneous improv because people are like, they catch on and they're trotting with you, so to speak.
1: Yeah, it's this long form improv. And also like when you're in improv, you're usually like in this space of you are actively being watched and that for a fact, and you're not even supposed to go into these more serious elements. Like improv is inherently supposed to be making something funny out of something serious. I think that's kind of the root of all comedy. Mm -hmm. And when you're playing an actual play, like, yes, you are supposed to be funny because you need to break the seriousness of the narrative a little bit. That's inherently part of the medium. But Mm -hmm. When you are in a story with someone else and you are like in this really intentional, really heavy moment, you've built a series of a system of trust with these people by improvising with them for so long, by having safety tools at the table, which I think are really important for a lot of people who don't know about them in the game, uh, using these tools to make sure that you have this magic circle of safety around you. So that way you can get to those really intense, deep emotional moments that you can't get in a real scripted narrative. You can't get in short form improv. You really can't get in any other artistic medium because you don't know what's going to happen. Like literally the role of a dice could be life or death. Right. And you have to be okay with that. And you have to trust the people at your table that like, yeah, my character might be going through this, but I trust the people that I'm with to make sure that me, the player is okay.
0: Absolutely. And one of the things that I think is most, uh, a friend of mine, Lawson, Who runs and has created his own system? Has developed his own system off of multiple systems. Ooh, uh, uh, what's the
1: drop the name if you have it.
0: (laughs) So, so he has First Fantasy, which is based on Final Fantasy. Love it's it's absolutely fantastic. It's like Final Fantasy IX inspired, Mm. and he also has so it's based on Index Card RPG or ICRPG. Okay. And so it's very, very streamlined. You aren't forced into any class initially. You can find loot and then like you could be a barbarian one day and then the next day you find a magical relic and then it's like, oh, well, I could probably start doing some magic. And I love uh, that. Yeah. So it's if you want to change stuff up, you can pretty easily. And then we just started a game where it's based on One Piece So it's going to run forever is what you're saying. Exactly. It's going (laughs) to run forever. And I, for the first time, he called me out um, some time ago saying that every time I've played a game with him, I played some sort of healer and, but somebody else had decided to be that healer role already before I joined this game. So I'm like, oh, well, we don't need two healers. I guess I can try something new and so it's just been a it's been a delight playing it's like oh i get to be a guy who is a fish guy and he yes is an arc, arch well i, I i'm going to reveal it here he, his main goal is to find and learn how to make a certain drink that can Ooh. revive people bring energy to the world that sort of thing so you're
1: still playing a healer roundabout
0: roundabout yes uh, but it is a healer based on jimmy buffett um (laughs) so he's an archaeologist trying to figure out how to make the perfect margarita Um, oh matt how much i love jimmy buffett exactly yeah (laughs) so it's a it's a fun it's a very fun game and it's a fun it's well that's the thing i'm dropping little hints that like i'm naming moves based on jimmy buffett songs wasting
1: away again indeed
0: Yeah, exactly. That's a beautiful little, little thing that you can you can add to it adding personal flourishes that people will pick up on as time goes on, or just challenging your players of like, hey, you've, you seem to do this one thing pretty consistently, how about you try something different, and then just being there to support them. And saying like, yeah, like, you might not know how to play that way. But like, I'm gonna, I'll give you hints as we're playing. Yeah,
1: absolutely. There's there's this joke, actually. I was at the New Jersey Web Fest, which is a huge actual play award show. I was there recently and was taking, talking to this person and they were like, yeah, I have this theory that if you collect a bunch of someone's character sheets from all the games they've ever played and given them to their therapist, they'll go, yeah, this sounds about right. 100%.
0: Uh, (laughs) absolutely
1: be like "Mm, like we could spend the rest of the time psychoanalyzing why you always play healers like we don't have to but we could and so i think the really like interesting thing about this is also like the capacity for internal growth absolutely i every character since the first character i ever played in a tabletop role-playing game has been some kind of trans way before i came out as trans or recognized that i was trans Mm -hmm. and i think that that capacity for being the person that you want to be in the real world and giving yourself the confidence to make those choices and feel solid in them in a very low risk, low consequence environment has a really radical potential for not just like personal healing, but community building. Absolutely. And so moving forward in like the tabletop world and the actual play world, there's this really big focus within the community that I haven't noticed in maybe any other creative community, except for maybe improv, but Mm -hmm. a little less so still. This like really radical progressive ethos at the base of it that's like, no gods, no masters, we are all here in this new creative medium where we get to decide what the rules are. We get to decide what a quote unquote hierarchy looks like. We get to decide what this community looks like. And instead of just replicating the the dominant hegemony of the world at large of our American culture, we get to imagine new worlds, which is what tabletop games are for you get to imagine a new idea a new way of living.
0: Absolutely. And that's one of the most fascinating things because they it's so rare that we get the opportunity to truly create something new and lay out the groundwork of how it's going to work and how it could be replicated by other people and so having people having gone through systems of like oh yeah i kind of wish this would have gone better but then they're gaining that experience and then they're put into an opportunity in a situation where they can kind of be like oh yeah well people seem to like this let's Let's try and make it the way we wanted those other things to go. And that's just—it's—it's a—it's a beautiful and inspiring thing. Absolutely, one hundred percent.
1: We we gotta play a game together, Matt. You, me, Max, Chinook to Sarah. I, Chinook to Sarah, another New York comedian, mm-hmm. is a producer for my first dungeon, the show oh, that great. I was talking about. Honestly, I will sing the highest praises of that show literally everywhere I go because I think what they're doing with the medium is going to push it in the direction that I would like to see it go. But truly, we got to sit down and play because that would be the best. A bunch of New York comedians sitting around a table and playing some actual play or playing some TTRPGs. Mm, Incredible.
0: Yeah, that that sounds like a delight. I am absolutely down. Rowan, this has been so enlightening and so much fun. I have enjoyed myself immensely. If people wanted to learn more about tabletop RPGs or actual plays or wanted to learn more about you, where would you recommend that they go? Yes, absolutely.
1: I am on all of the various social medias at Rowan Zioli. I very fortunate to have my name be the only one of it. Heck yeah. <laughs> at- you can find me. Uh, I contribute to Polygon. I also contribute to a site called The Fundamentals, where I do a lot of really in depth dive with actual plays and TTRPG creators. I'm also a staff writer for Tabletop News, a new news show that's coming out where weekly we will be talking and rounding up all of the tabletop, board game, card game, actual play, nerdy news. And you can find that at Watch Tabletop
0: or on YouTube at Tabletop News. Rowan, thank you so much. I really appreciate you coming on and joining me today. Thank you so much, Matt. This is truly so much fun. It's truly
1: always a delight and pleasure talking to you. You are a light in this world, and I hope you get told that as often as you deserve.
0: Thank you so much. That is that is so kind. I feel the very same way about you. It's always always an absolute delight to get to talk to you. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Excellent. My name is Matt Stores, and this has been Matt planning Quick shout out to Ryan Lawson, who made the theme music for Matt Splaining. He's part of Beat Blender Studios, which can be found at Beat Blender Studios on Instagram and TikTok. Or if you're in the market for some amazing music, you can contact him directly at BeatBlenderStudios at gmail.com.